G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne. We broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and we're coming to you on your local community radio station. August 1917 saw one of the biggest industrial strikes in Australian history. It began at the tram and rail workshops in Sydney and spread across Australia as more and more sections of the community went out in support. It was all about the introduction of Taylorism or time and motion structures into the railway workshops. Colin Hesse talks to Pat Cranny about the theatre piece he and Christina Mamokchi have developed to commemorate this important event in Australian working history. The Australian Unemployed Workers' Union has recently been denounced by Michaela Cash, the Federal Minister for Employment, proving the union's effectiveness. The Australian Unemployed Workers' Union has responded with the call-out cash campaign. We talked to Owen Bennett from AUWU, now a national organisation, about this development. But first, some union news. The final step in the Australian Building Construction Code Bill, the ABCC, was passed in the Senate last week with the Labor Party, the Greens and Jackie Lambie voting against. Xenophon, Hinch, Paul and Hansen all voted with the Liberal National Government to pass a code which aims to remove the union representations on worksite. It will affect companies wishing to tender for federal government contracts. Ralph Edwards from the CFMEU had this to say about the passing of the bill with a warning to members as bosses try to take advantage of the state of confusion the ABCC has put the industry in before its September the 1st start-up. It's all directed at one thing and that is bosses who are considered to be union-friendly will be belted if they have not got a code-compliant agreement. The code and how it is being implemented may be not uh, as fulsome a way as maybe some people planned because one of the things that Xenophon and other people did put into the code was they did agree to put in judicial review. And there's a few parties, major contractors around Australia, who I think uh, are telling the ABCC and the federal government, you better do this properly because we can go to court. It's going to be a long process. We have put out a notice to all members. Do not meet with the boss about your EBA. Do not discuss the EBA. Do not vote on the EBA changes that are being proposed by a lot of bosses without the union. Because as we found with Keller, now Keller is the biggest piling uh, company in Australia. They they own Frankie Pile, Vibra Pile, Piling Specialists and Austral. They are a huge internationally owned company. They decided to take advantage of the uh, confusion around what is code compliant and what is not and tried to introduce a whole lot of variations to their agreement by having a direct meeting with their employees, not telling them what was going to happen at the meeting, just dumped it on them when they got there, and then tried to basically start a process whereby in seven days' time they would have a ballot conducted by the Australian Electoral Commission and uh, all the employees were expected to vote for the variations. And variations which included inclement weather, 
picnic day, you name it, all these variations were going to be added and none of them were in fact code issues. All these companies who think they can take advantage of the confusion are doing it. They're going to try and take advantage of confusion and what we've got to say is no, we don't want to meet, no, we don't want to discuss and no, we don't want to vote on any variations to our agreement because all the agreements that are in place right now are all legal. Under the Fair Work Act, they are legal. So they're all pissing in the wind, these bosses, but they're going to try and take advantage of the confusion to rip back conditions in the EBA, which have been there for decades. On a windy Monday in the Melbourne suburb of Heidelberg, hundreds of pathology workers gathered under the banner of the Health Workers Union demanding a pay rise from their employer, Dorovich Pathology. Uh, we're fighting for a settlement of an EBA and a pay rise with Dorovich Pathology. We haven't had an EBA settled since 2003 and we haven't had a proper pay rise in 10 years. Certainly our members of the HWU, they're fighting for on our behalf to try and get us a settled EBA. How and long has negotiations been going on? Uh, over two years, so uh, we haven't been offered a pay rise at all. Uh, you're out here today to protest the lack of wage increase yes. since 2003? Yes, I am. What, yeah. what are you hoping to uh, to achieve? Uh, I'm hoping that Mr. Molly got to make up his mind and um, got to do something about pay rise uh, fairly for the uh, for the staffs. We are really struggling and um, we're desperately waiting wait, waiting for a long period. The predominantly female workforce are the lowest paid pathology workers in Australia, earning $21 an hour without a rise for 10 years. The owner of Dorovich Pathology is refusing to come to the table. Ray Collins from the 8WU, the Health Workers Union, spoke to the rally before the rally moved down to Dorovich Heidelberg office. He has threatened all of you across the state that he would lock, lock people out. Well, that's OK, except I'm asking you, the union's asking you to commit to this. If they lock one person out... We all walk out. Do you agree? Do you agree that it's one out, it's all out? And further to that, it's legal and we will do it instantaneously. We will walk out of the hospitals, we will walk out of the medical centres, we will walk out of the collection centres, we will stop the relievers going into the aged care facilities. If they lock one of our members out, it's one out, it's all out. Thank you. Dorovich responded to the calls for an increase in the hourly rate by locking out 76 workers. The ACTU stands with the 500 pathology workers forced to strike after a long and bitter pay dispute with their employer, Dorovich Pathology, said Sally McManus, ACTU Secretary. The workers took legal protected industrial action. Dorovich responded by locking out 76 workers for daring to ask for a pay rise. Dorovich owner... Primary Health posted an estimated $1.2 billion in profits since the last pay deal. Meanwhile, these workers' wages have gone backwards in real terms. One of the girls looked at her payslip in 2008 and then she checked it with the payslip of this year and her payslip was $1.37 more than it was in 2008. That's the increment that she's had. Are you happy you're out today? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, we are. Well, hopefully it means that we get a pay rise. That's just, what we want. It just gives want. us a voice. Yeah, they'll, they'll take notice that we're fair income. Yeah. Ten years. It's just pathetic. It's a joke. Yeah. 
we, we don't earn a lot of money okay. for what we do yeah. and um, we just want a fair go. Thanks. We've been trying for 10 years. We didn't want to do it, but you've got to do it and make a stand. And that's what we're doing. And you won't sit down and negotiate? No, not for 10 years. And the union's been desperately trying for the last 12 months. And he won't even come to the table. We got told that you could train monkeys to do the job we do. Yeah, that's what he thinks of us. There are so many of the girls that are single mums that have worked for Dorovich that they can't afford to join the union or even take a day off to strike. They just can't afford to do it. They can't pay their bills. So we have to do it for them as well. Yep. Absolutely. This is an ongoing dispute. Head on over to www.megaphone.org.au forward slash P forward slash Dorovich. That's D-O-R-E-V-I-T-C-H and sign the petition to show your support for Dorovich pathology workers. Go to My Cause, that's M-Y-C-A-U-S-E, to make a donation to support Dorovich pathology workers. In Queensland, a government department has been convicted and fined for exposing workers to asbestos. For four months in 2012, the Queensland Department of Main Roads exposed six workers to asbestos when the road tech employees worked on a bridge site at Ripley before it was discovered the bridge, built more than 20 years ago, was riddled with asbestos and the fibres were already spread across the site. The department was convicted at trial in June of failing to comply with health and safety duties and fined $175,000 in Ipswich Magistrates Court. However, it appears no conviction was recorded. The department had admitted to exposing the workers to asbestos but did not admit there was a risk the workers would be exposed to serious illness or death. And yet these workers were definitely placed at risk as there is no safe level of exposure to asbestos. One of the workers exposed said he had not received any support and had not had either his car nor his home cleaned. The reality is that the six workers will spend the rest of their lives in fear of contracting mesothelioma, lung cancer or asbestosis. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. and stick together union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. The song we've been listening to is part of a work commemorating the Great Strike of 1917. Centenary events are happening all over New South Wales this August, remembering this important part of Australian workers' history. In 1917, before the end of World War I, 
a war responsible for the death of thousands of young men. At home in Australia, after two failed referendums into conscription, with accusations of fifth columnists, spies and the revolution in Russia, the then Commissioner for Railways, James Fraser, an engineer, attempted to introduce what we now call Taylorism into the tram and rail workshops in Sydney. This was meant to speed up production by breaking down jobs into parts into a production line. Colin Hesse had a word with Pat Cranery, who, with fellow musician Christina Mimocci, have created a musical piece to remember the events of that time. He explains a little bit more about what the Great Strike of 1917 was all about and its effects. The strike started on 20th of July 1917. Do you know why the workers felt so threatened by the so-called scientific management techniques of production? Uh, yep, it was partly um, uh, a straw that broke the camel's back because they were already the workers were already working sort of uh, flat out and under pressure and underpaid with, uh, because of the war. They had to take on extra duty. And uh, the, in 1916, they actually attempted to bring, bring in this Tayloristic system in, which would uh, create a, a new class of sub-foremen who'd be promoted from the ranks of the tradesmen and they'd be there to monitor the work of their fellow employees. And they felt you know, that it was going to uh, dehumanise them, basically. And, uh, and from what we can tell from the, the railway commissioner's point of view, they wanted to uh, suss out all the troublemakers and identify them and, and deal with them and problems would be eliminated. That was all scary rhetoric from, uh, from the railway commission. So, yeah, that's, I guess it was... Uh, some people think it is just such a minor thing, this card system, to create a, 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 one of the biggest industrial disputes the, the country's ever seen. But it was, as I say more uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, do you see, Pat, any parallels here with the introduction of what we now call disruptive technology where workers' jobs and skills are threatened? Yeah, any, any yeah, the parallels are in the terms of uh, dehumanising, losing control and autonomy over your own your, your work and your skills. And, in fact, the strike was led particularly by the engineers who stood would most uh, be skilled by the, the process of breaking up the, the, the jobs into small parts that could be accounted for by the bosses. And, uh, yeah, just they, they lost a lot of autonomy about their, how they did their own work. So I guess, yeah, there's parallels today. I see the parallels certainly in the, in, in the idea of, a, of the class war. Uh, we had Scott Morrison last year telling us, uh, you know, Australia's sick of us and them. There's no more class war. But uh, I... I think it's pretty obvious from the news around the world with the uh, disenfranchised working classes, some of them swinging to the right, so we get Brexit, we get Trump, all that. So I uh, like to remember that it's, uh, yeah, there is a war going on, even if it's not with guns and cannon, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of still a struggle going that uh, working people have to uh, uh, stay aware of and, you know, on their toes before they get totally ripped off. In that world they did it. I mean, how long did they last and why do you think they lost? Yes, a lot of uh, controversy about why they lost. It went from, officially, at Everly Railway Workshops, they went back, uh, I think they, the actual walkout was on the 2nd of August, even though there'd been negotiations, as you say, from late July to try and avert the strike. Uh, in fact, apparently some of the, the, the trades hall uh, were a bit conservative then. They wanted to uh, keep it under control. They were advising workers to... Uh, to stay on the job, but and it was actually, from what I can tell, it was the rank and file were, were determined 
to, to walk out anyway. So they went in, and then they returned to Everly. They returned very much defeated. The workers lost superannuation. They lost seniority. That was a big major defeat. So if, uh, technically, that because of the, the strike had spread across Australia, it was still going till uh, it wasn't totally over until the 5th of December when the Melbourne Wharfies had gone out in support of the workers and uh, against the black cargo. They didn't go back till the 5th of December. They extended that 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 widely and that uh, far. Yeah. Yes, it was a huge event, I believe, in New South Wales. 70,000 workers, around 14% of the New South Wales workers were out at one time. Famously, Ben Chifley was a lilywhite, one of the strikers who stayed out to the end. Do you know what effect the strike had on the lilywhites? I mean, I guess you've alluded to it somewhat, but can you expand on that at all? A lot of workers went out on strike, and as you say, the lilywhites stayed out until the very end. And uh, when they were sort of felt, felt a little betrayed, they went back. And so in the workplace, especially at, at Everly, there was, there was uh, tensions and divisions that lasted for decades, actually, from gen- through generations, where those who had stayed on at work, the, the loyalists, as they were known, um, scabs, others might call them, but uh, they were on... When they all went back to work, there was a lot of tension between them, sometimes because the strikers had been demoted, then they were working alongside sort of younger loyalists. Or even under the supervision of those people too. That's right, that's right. So that caused, caused a lot of bad feeling, as you can imagine. And as I say, I still hear stories from people that, oh, my dad uh, pointed out this guy on the railways who... Uh, we're going to avoid him because his father was uh, was a scab during the 1917 strike. So it went on for a long time, and it took a long time for the, the wounds to heal. I can tell that story too. I know 60 years later in 1977 when I joined the railways, my grandfather, who was himself a rail worker, though only six at the time of the strike, said to me, join the Australian Railways Union, not the National Union of Railway, which was the scab union set up by the bosses in 1970 to break the strike. I mean, I, of course, joined the ARU. So it did indeed echo down the years. One of the fun, fun parts was uh, exploring all the music and verse of the time and actually the period, the, the First World War, a revolution in the air overseas. There was the uh, conscription referendums. There was also the, the song you played to lead in, I think, Power in the Union is a Joe, a Joe Hill song, lyrics by him and a... Uh, based on a, an old traditional hymn. Joe Hill, Hill of course, was the uh, a famous American uh, wobbly, IWW, International Workers of the World, and they had a lot of influence on the thinking of the Labor movement back in the time, the radical Labor movement. Mm. They had been crushed, actually, then outlawed by 1917, but their, uh, their influence was still found, and even though they'd crushed the, the wobbly movement just prior to the, uh, the strike, and they famously there was... Uh, the Sydney 12, who were on, uh, went to court. And, and sedition uh, charges, I think, from Billy Hughes. That, that's right, yes. Mm. They, they were later seized by the, the Lang, uh, I think it was the Lang government, but uh, the Labor government later on. And, yeah, so uh, that's, they played an influence in the thinking, if, if not actually precipitating the strike. But they were, they were the bogeymen. They were blamed mm. for corrupting I think we it, it's because it's a hundred years ago I think it's hard to it's hard for us to know how hard it was but they were hard times weren't they for workers oh absolutely absolutely and uh, there's a big uh, focus on the not just in our show but the the, the role of the uh, strike breakers the scabs they came in uh, a lot of them were brought in from country areas by the government they're actually armed there's a story of a shooting with uh, Merv Flanagan, quite famously. I think the, the Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph, just picked up on that in its history section earlier this week. Angry shot kills striker in Sydney's labour war. But uh, that that was uh, because the great tension between the strike breakers 
and the and the strikers. But because the times were hard, there's a lot of unemployment. So in a, in a sense, you can understand the desperation of, of many of the people who did uh, stay on at the job. The country was a lot, was more all the uh, um, more the, the richer uh, mm. state holders who wanted to uh, break the union because they were being affected because their their goods were being transported to market. Sort of, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, that caused a lot of friction. In fact, they brought in so many they had to uh, um, put them in camps at the Sydney Cricket Ground and at the Taronga Park Zoo, which inspired some uh, wag at the time to write a, a, a poem called "The New Exhibits." <laughs> which, is, which uh, Christina has put to music, and that's quite satirical about the, all these animals looking at these strange creatures called scabs. And so, yeah, there was, uh, that was a big, uh, big part of it. That, that tension between the loyalists and the and the lily whites. Pat, it's, this is a, a big. You know, if people want to go and see the production of 1917 Strike, how can they do that? And uh, indeed, how can they get the music, which I understand is also available. That's right. The music, um, we've, we've made a live recording. We, our next performance, now we're doing a bit of a tour. We've got the Sydney Trades Hall, because they're celebrating, obviously, this, this uh, momentous landmark in, in uh, labour labor history. We'll be on at the Sydney Trades Hall on, at 5.30pm, Thursday the 20th of July, so next week. And there's a site, uh, I think it's Evan, Evan Bright, Evan Bright uh, where the tickets are free, but they're trying to... Uh, uh, it's best to reserve your seat to because uh, so we don't uh, you don't lose out if we get a full house. But that's on at uh, Trades Hall in Sydney, Goulburn Street. Uh, also, we'll be on at uh, Australian Technology Park at, at the the old locomotive workshops, which is now ATP, the Australian Technology Park. We'll be there. They're having an open day as part of the celebrations or commemorations for the strike on Saturday, the fifth of August. Uh, that'll be at twelve thirty p.m. So I think that's an outdoor gig. Also, uh, watch out for us at the Goulburn Tradies, uh, Newcastle Folk Club, Woiwoi Folk Club coming up. So, uh, yeah, we, we'll be spreading ourselves around. It's a, it's a pity. Well, hopefully you can get interstate too uh, at some stage. That's right, yeah. I think there was talk of uh, interest from Brisbane, but, yeah, we're happy to travel around New South Wales at the moment. You're on Stick Together, Union News, Worker Stories and Social Justice Issues from the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. We have been listening to Colin Hesse in Sydney speaking with Pat Crannery about a theatrical piece, Strike, 1917, commemorating the largest strike in Australian history to date. Now to something more contemporary. The Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, the AUWU, provides support and information on unemployed workers' rights to its members and the public. You might think this is a job for government, but in this world of squeezing the poor to balance the budget, Michaela Cash, Minister for Employment, has made a point of accusing the AUWU of encouraging unemployed workers to act illegally. I spoke to Owen Bennett from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union about their response, the Call Out Cash campaign. An outrageous attack, and we think it's part of this wider government strategy to silence people who are trying to stand up and resist the punitive social security system. And we think it's really, really important that unemployed workers are given a voice. Now, there's been and a couple of things that have happened that have obviously reached uh, Cash's uh, horizons against all her desires. One would, of course, be justice for Josh, which must be having yeah. some traction in the general community. 
Yes, well, that, that's one of many areas where we've clashed with the Department of Employment, which is Minister Cash's ministry. We asked Minister Cash to release uh, a risk assessment that was undertaken for the work for the doll site where Josh Park Fing tragically died in April 2016. They refused to release that risk assessment on the basis that it might harm um, the job agency where Josh Park Fing was was um, enrolled. And ever since then, so it's, it, now it's about th- 13, 14 months since the tragedy and the government hasn't released a report into that event. And the report has been written. We will, we will inform the report was written in 2016, December, but they're sitting on that report for reasons unknown. And it's been asked for about 10 times in the parliament that the, the Labor Party have been asking for it, the Greens have been asking for it, but the coalition has refused to, to produce it. Are people on that? Work for the Dolls uh, schemes covered by OH&S law? No, they're not. They're, they're not considered workers under the Fair Work Act. So you might have two people doing exactly the same job. Let's, let's say Salvation Army um, op shop, because you have paid employees and you have work for the doll um, people all on the same site. You might have one person who's a paid employee who would be covered under all the Fair Work Act and protections that are afforded to them. And then the same a worker at the same site who's under the Work for the Doll program wouldn't be covered by any of those protections. And if they get injured, they, they can't call the Fair Work Act for help. There was a case in Adelaide where someone was exposed to asbestos at a Work for the Doll site, mm. and they called up Fair Work to, to see if they could um, you know, get some assistance, and they basically told him that there's nothing they can do for him. This is all under Minister Cash's watch. We're encouraging all our members to go onto our website and fill out a short survey, details their experiences in the Employment Services Program, Work for the Doll Program, and using our hotline, which we run five days a week, giving people advice on their rights, and just fill out this short survey, and then all those questions will be emailed directly to Mr Cash, and we'll use a lot of that stuff, people's stories and our materials, just to get across this basic picture that job agencies are punishing people. There's no oversight and there's no regulation the voices of unemployed people need to be heard on this issue. So it's unemployedworkersunion.com. Well, that's it for today's edition of Stick Together. Thanks to Ralph Edwards, Pat Cronery, Ray Collins and the striking Dorovich pathology workers and Owen Bennett for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and arrives on your local community radio station. For a podcast, 3cr.org.au... We will go out with a track from Great Strike 1917 where the women in the refreshment stands refused to serve the scabs and lost their jobs as well. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time. One, two, three. Oh, give us a